0: Welcome into the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a RotoViz podcast. This is the October 2nd episode, and as always, we remain dedicated to answering all of those fantasy football questions. I am your host, Mike Randall. Please follow me on Twitter at RandallRant. Let's welcome in T.J. Hernandez, director of DFS at 444 Football and co-host of the DFS MVP podcast. I've listened to it. It's incredible. T.J. is the master of DFS and weekly plays, knowing when to sell, when to buy on those players that have contrarian performances. He's going to bring us key insight into week four, the last week before the teams start their bye weeks, besides, of course, Tennessee and Pittsburgh. Where your start-sit debates are unclear as ever, he will make them straight. A great follow on Twitter, at TJ Hernandez. Fantastic to bring him back to the bag of talk week four. TJ, let's kick it off with a beverage. Would you like an IPA?
1: I'd rather start (laughs) Dwayne Haskins in cash. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, I you know, I gave you a volleyball, therefore I'd rather watch the Jets Broncos, which is what we're taping during, folks. So TJ <laughs> yeah. really, really gave gave up, uh, you know, a good opportunity here to watch to to come on with us. But we appreciate it, man. Great to have you back on. I wanted to start by getting your opinion on some of the preseason conclusions yep. that were widely held in the fantasy community. Sort of get your opinion on whether you still think they hold true moving forward. One of the ones that I heard, given Carolina's poor defense and the Panthers residing in that NFC south do we target the carolina skill players moving forward really tj i guess i'm going to translate this dj Moore, you worried or not
1: no man i mean like we're looking for wide receivers that are going to get volume we liked dj Moore in the preseason because he had a dominant target share last year and it hasn't changed much he's seen 26 of the team targets and that's right in line with robbie anderson but you would think because it's Robbie Anderson, Robbie Anderson's everyone's saying he's there to be the deep threat. Robbie Anderson, average depth of target, eight and a half yards. DJ Moore, average depth of target, 13 and a half yards, 49% of team air yards. Uh, I'm fine. DJ Moore is going to be fine. Uh, he's going to crush this week. Uh, I, w- I would be starting him in redraft. I would be targeting him, him in DFS. I would be uh, buying him if people are trying to sell him. I would not be trading him uh, off my team. Like DJ Moore is going to be just fine.
0: So the Robbie Anderson depth of target has got to be skewed because of my favorite highlight bias, right? He had that one catch (laughs) that went 75 yards. So therefore people assume every one of his catches, but actually that's a great stat. So DJ Moore has a higher depth of target than Robbie Anderson by a wide margin. Second one, whoever is the lead running back in Tampa Bay is going to smash with Tom Brady down there. That was the preseason conclusion. Well, we thought it was solved last week, TJ, or two weeks ago, rather. Now I'm not so sure. You going Rojo or Fournette here?
1: Uh, none of the above. The The Buccaneers were on my do not draft list in the preseason, so mm-hmm. I was not on that take. Uh, I, I was concerned about Tom Brady going to that offense. I did not think they were going to be the same. If anything, Tom Brady was going to boost a running back. Uh, that's a good pass catcher, but we've also seen – Tom Brady is going to fluctuate who he wants in his backfield, uh, just kind of based on, on how he feels. And that jives, that's one of the few things where him and Bruce Arians actually jive. Uh, so I'm, I still think this offense is just, they're an average offense. They're going to be a good, real football team, but they're going to be middle of the pack in yards, middle of the pack, um, and passing rate, middle of the pack in points scored. Uh, they're going to be middle of the pack in how many, uh, touches they're giving to their lead running back. So I don't like, th- an answer can be nobody on an offense. And I think the answer is nobody in in the Tampa Bay backfield.
0: That's a great point. And I, I think it's very interesting this week. We'll get into a little bit later. No Chris Godwin, Gronkowski, yeah. snaps increasing. I don't
1: know. I'm sure where they're going to go there. Fournette popped up on the injury report this week though, right? So we might get a week four Rojo, but uh, I wouldn't get too excited if that happens.
0: Well, listen, TJ, full disclosure here on the mailbag, I was on the Rojo train, okay? Mm -hmm. So anything that gets Rojo like 100 yards, I'll be thrilled because I was doing the old Homer Simpson gift sliding back (laughs) into the ivy after Fournette broke off that long run there. So yeah, it it could be an interesting opportunity. Last one here, Allen Robinson. He's going to have the best year of his career because if Trubisky doesn't cut it, they will turn to foals. Foles comes in, he had the black visor on initially, everyone fired up, had the big comeback against the Falcons, who doesn't? But I'm curious, A-Rob now with Foles under center, and of course, Anthony Miller, someone who we love here at Rotoviz. do you think he can have a little bit of a revival here?
1: Oh, for sure. I mean, best year of career might be a little hyperbolic because he had that 14 touchdown or whatever season in uh, Jacksonville, so it's... it's oh, uh, with Bortles. It's, oh, oh, so yeah. it's always going to be hard to match that, um, but I mean, he's doing exactly what we expected him to do as well. Like we talked about with DJ Moore in terms of volume, 28% target share, 29% of team air yards Um, beyond Allen Robinson. It's it's just, it's going to be hairy because the bears are one of seven teams that uh, run at least 50% of the time in neutral game script. Uh, I, I think they're, probably going to be decent enough. I mean, I don't think their records necessarily reflective of how good they are as a team. They're probably closer to middle of the pack, but I don't think they're a team either. That's going to be in some crazy negative game script all the time where they have to throw 40 times a game. So Robinson's going to get his, all the other guys. I love Anthony Miller too. uh, But unfortunately he's going to have to be a spot start for us uh, because of the offense.
0: Let's take a look at some of the hot waiver wire pickups from this past week Minnesota's Justin Jefferson. I had a social media argument with someone who obviously is suffering with Adam Thielen on their team and said, I don't get the, the the support of Adam Thielen. He's been terrible except for that great eight game start, 10 game start that he had. And now Justin Jefferson has exploded. And this person was arguing that Adam Thielen is basically going to be relegated now and Jefferson is going to step forward. They're going down to Houston. I'm not so sure about that. So talk to me about Justin Jefferson, I guess tied into Adam Thielen here, rest of the season, how you think it's going to go?
1: Tell that person on Twitter, to hit me up at TJ Hernandez. We can have a really fun (laughs) chat uh, about that. Uh, I mean, Adam Thielen has been one of the most dominant target share wide receivers over the past couple of years. So I don't know where, where that take is coming from. He was the teammate of Stefan Diggs, who is one of uh, the best wide receivers in the league and, and was out targeting Diggs, So that should tell you everything you need to know about Adam Thielen. Uh, He's going to, he, he's, Third in the league in in percentage of team air yards. So he has uh, multiple facets to his game. A lot of people going into this season was calling him a redundant uh, asset with Justin Jefferson because they're both intermediate. Uh, can work the slot type guys. Now Adam Thielen, one of the highest average of targets in the league. Uh, So showing his skill set there, Justin Jefferson, he had nine targets to, to Adam Thielen's five last week. So almost double what Adam Thielen saw. He's not going to double up Adam Thielen every single week. Uh, If he's lucky, they'll be within one or two targets of each other. Justin Jefferson's good. But this again, like we talked about with the bears, this is a team that's going to trend towards the run first. Uh, Adam Thielen is going to get his, he's going to maintain like a somewhere in a 25, 23, 24% target share. Uh, and then Justin Jefferson's going to get what's left over. Maybe that's a 20% target share. That's a really good number. Um, but he's going to be frustrating. If you think he's a plug and play wide receiver, you're not going to have a good time this year.
0: That's exactly right. And the next one here, Jeff Wilson out in San Francisco, savvy DFS guys, new to plug in wilson there that he can always get those goal line touches but that game got out of hand so mm-hmm. quickly that we actually saw jeff wilson have a pretty solid role yep he ended up having there in the big 36 to 9 win against the giants he had 12 rushes only 15 yards and the one touchdown but more impressive he had three receptions 54 yards and a touchdown mm-hmm. so obviously we're still waiting here for raheem mostert to come back but where are you on Wilson this weekend's Philadelphia, which should be positive game script again, although Philadelphia may be on their last stance. Where are you on Wilson here week four?
1: Sure. So like you mentioned, a lot of that came in an insanely positive blowout game script. Uh, before that, Jarek McKinnon was overwhelming uh, in terms of who was being favored in the backfield. Saw 17 touches, playing uh, two and a half or three quarters of the game, got pulled. Combo with rib injury, banged up a little bit, but in uh, it sounded like if the game was close, McKinnon could have kept playing. So I mean, Wilson—it it shouldn't be a surprise that he scored a lot. He actually led with Mahi Moster with Tevin Coleman there last year, playing most of the season. Jeff Wilson still led the team in carries inside the five-yard line, so uh, shouldn't be too much of a surprise that he saw a couple of touchdowns. But again, uh, scoring that's buoyed by touchdowns is what we should be very wary of. Uh, I mean. If you need him for a spot start this week, Niners are big favorites against Philly. Uh, You could plug him in as a flex. I still think McKinnon outscores him this week, but Mostert trending towards coming back maybe in week five. I don't think they have a buy in week five. Um, And then Tevin Coleman will be back eventually. So this was a backfield that I was trepidatious about uh, just because even with Mostert's electrifying finish to the season last year. He still wasn't breaking a 60% touch share. So this is going to be, Shanahan's going to mix and match this backfield. So um, Wilson might have one more week of value.
0: And last one here for this grouping, T. Higgins in Cincinnati. Now, listen, I tried to avoid even talking about this game because of the ridiculous nature of the tie at the end of it. (laughs) Yeah. But I'm looking at this Cincinnati passing attack. Tyler Boyd steps up, has his big pop game that people were waiting for. Yep. 13 targets, 10 receptions, 125 yards. Now, A.J. Green was battling a lot with Darius Slay. So T. Higgins steps in, five receptions on nine targets, 40 yards, two touchdowns. Where is Higgins? I put out something today that I think AJ Green could really bounce back here in a big way against Jacksonville because he was dominating the targets prior to this week. So T Higgins, where does he fit into the receiving puzzle on a very high pass volume offense in Cincinnati?
1: Yeah, very high pass volume, but very high pass volume because they've been in some crazy negative game script. Uh, I mean, they're. I, I think they're probably going to continue to not win a lot of games, but I do think they'll get a little bit better as a team that defense isn't necessarily going to get better, but it's going to be, it's a really hard sell to, rely on a wide receiver three on any offense. I mean, this is a high volume passing offense, but it's not going to be an uber efficient offense like Seattle or or Buffalo and that's really what you need is crazy high efficiency from your quarterback to have a reliable wide receiver three. Uh, You mentioned the Slay thing last week, so you kind of took the words out of my mouth on that one. AJ Green and Tyler Boyd are the clear top two uh, in this offense and then beyond Higgins, I mean, you're still going to they're, they're still going to use Gio Bernard. They're still going to use Joe Mixon in the passing game a little bit. Uh, they're going to use some other ancillary players in the passing game, so he's going to have weeks where he gets the nine targets like he saw last week. But he's going to have weeks where he gets three or four targets too. So um, again, I mean, it's I know it's negative on all three guys here, but uh, I, I don't think it's a very as great of a waiver wire week as some might have thought it was after the games last week.
0: TJ, so much of your work is must listen and must read for me every week. Your TJ's take on four for four, where you recap the lineups and you look at the Millie makers on both DraftKings and FanDuel Mm -hmm. is is incredible. Thank you. Of course, the podcast I listen to is, is amazing as well. I'm curious here. With the plotters in DFS, <laughs> yeah. you know, people just automatically, and I find myself doing it too. You're attracted to the satellite backs. Of course, TJ not last week with Rex Burkhead, that would have been nice. But <laughs> where where is the place in your strategy for the plotters? Like I'm really sitting here struggling with Sony Michelle. Patriots are going to play the chiefs. Obviously, after Mahomes went nuclear last week, they know that they have to try to contain him, keep him off the field. I would think there'd be a place for Sony Michelle, but he's probably not catching a lot of passes. Right. So how do you factor that in? And where do you see a player like Michelle when you're going through your roster construction for DFS? Um,
1: he's he's a really tough sell. Uh, if you're somebody that plays on on DraftKings, whether you're playing cash games or tournaments, uh it's full PPR with scoring bonuses. So volume can catch up to touchdowns a lot of the time. So even if he does find the end zone on DraftKings, all of the high volume backs are at least going to be able to catch him. If, if Sony gets a hundred yards on the ground and scores a touchdown, that's still only 16 fantasy points. That's good, but that's not great. Yep. Um, that's not going to make your, your GPP, uh, your, uh, cash week. And it's not going to win you a tournament by any means on Fandle. Uh, there's a little bit more room on, on half PPR scoring sites without bonuses for guys that aren't catching passes, but we still want the guys that ha- if they're not going to be catching passes they're it's very hard to, to justify them in cash because their floor is basically their rushing yards, which if they don't score, sometimes you're looking at five fantasy points, which you're, you're just pretty much done. If you're using a running back uh, spot, that's only getting that many points. Uh, but even in tournaments, like, if they're not catching passes you need them to have multi-touchdown upside and to have multi-touchdown upside you need to be the workhorse you can't be splitting work you can't have a quarterback that's going to steal touchdowns from you you can't have another running back that's going to come in and steal touchdowns from you let alone two touchdowns so i mean sony michelle like he's he's just a player that he's never really going to work um in dfs like Derek Henry is a plotter, but he doesn't he doesn't get much use in the passing game, and he's a tough sell in DFS in cash games. Like he's going to win you tournaments sometimes, and that's Derek freaking Henry. Like so, Sony Michelle is someone like that. Uh, it's it's not that I'm necessarily looking for like the satellite back either, but you need a guy that's going to get a lot of touches and has multi touchdown upside in tournaments.
0: So you need the perfect situation, like you really do. Coming into last week, I. I thought about Henry because I thought about the, you know, the post hype the following week, but he really had to hit it perfectly. And I just wasn't ready with all the stats about his yards per carry in September, et cetera, but he ended up being okay. And of course, Miles Sanders, if Carson Wentz just could have hit him with the 50 yard reception, that would have been no problem, but he got the volume. So basically you're saying it's got to be the right play because you really have to hit a home run in, in order for him to pay off.
1: For sure, and like Michelle's just in that situation with the Pats, it's just uh, I mean, obviously Rex Burkhead did it last week with his two. He basically did it with his two scores, but getting targets uh, like Sonny Michelle is just it's it's going to be hard. A guy like Michelle, it's going to be hard to to ever really roster a guy like that.
0: Blame this next question on Jake Seely. Uh, usually, I take a question from one of the early guests, and like it, it goes through the entire year. Last year it was Pat Fitzmars talking about the best American band. Now we're talking about cereal. So my question is breakfast cereal. cereal. Is right what, around. what do you have? What do you like? And no one's mentioned lucky charms. That's mine, but I'm curious in, in the Hernandez household, what are you going with for cereal?
1: I mean, I, I think th- the chalk is cinnamon toast crunch. Yes, right? it is. Uh, it really that's is. The chalk. Yeah. That's the chalk. Um, I mean, super deep sleeper. And there's a lot to this. Like you're going to get a lot of flavor with a lot of your cereals. Like they're all going to be good. Most of them are pure sugar, which is delicious. Um, honeycombs super underrated honeycombs have the holes it keeps it crunchier for longer so you can pour a big ass bowl of honeycombs and those things stay crunchy for a really long time other stuff getting soggy super fast i like to eat out of like a salad bowl because if i'm if i'm eating cereal i'm going off the rails I'm, i'm putting the box down uh so i don't want my stuff getting soggy honeycombs is the move
0: Friend of mine bumped into John Madden in a bar once, and just started asking him about football plays. And he pulled out one of the napkins and just diagrammed it. I feel like that's what I just got from you. Like I got the DFS breakdown there on the cereal, yeah, the salad bowl. Yes, that, yeah, that's what
1: we're, we're If we're eating cereal, we're going. And it, and and here, listen. If we're eating cereal, we're not eating cereal for breakfast. We're eating cereal while we're watching a movie at midnight. Like that's when you eat cereal. You got
0: it. You got it. i am stayed up late doing my Many of your local favorite restaurants are still open for delivery as well. Just open that DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot and your food is on its way. Right now, our listeners at RotoBiz can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on that first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE for $5 off that first order with DoorDash. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the league of football watchers like us. This football season will be different and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how much you watch. I loved grabbing a Pepsi, sitting back and watching that incredible game between the Cowboys and the Seahawks last week. Russell Wilson was cooking. I'm having my Pepsi. Dak is driving down at the end of the game. I'm sitting back relaxing. It's a perfect combination, Pepsi, and a great NFL game on Sunday. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi made for football watching. Let's do a little buy or sell. Some of the players that have popped on the radar here. Joe Mixon doing it again, TJ. Last year was terrible, and all of a sudden, I remember it was that Buffalo game, I feel like in the second half of the year where second they were terrible in the first half and he went nuts in the second and sort of propelled himself for a lot of quality weeks for the end of the season. So, Joe Mixon, big offense, hasn't really clicked yet. Where are you on him? Buy or sell Joe Mixon?
1: Well, I mean, you you can't sell. Whatever like you whatever you're going to get in return for him is not going to be adequate value cuz he is he's still a workhorse running back. I'm such a sucker for volume. 20 touches, 20 touches, 19 touches. That's going to pop. It might pop this week. They're playing Jacksonville. So, I'm I'm holding or buying Joe Mixon.
0: I'm not going to lead the witness here, but Todd Gurley was in my action sell area because I'm a little disturbed TJ. I was disturbed when they're playing the Cowboys and the Falcons have huge positive game script second half and he's not producing and that's supposed to be a revamped offensive line then the second concern for me is watching brian hill go all over the place and look more athletic and more explosive so listen girly if he stays healthy he's going to get opportunities in that offense but i'm a little concerned about him now
1: maybe he's going to get opportunity in that offense but they're going to be one of the highest passing offenses in the league they have four good pass catchers now Ridley Julio Russell Gage is somebody you should have been buying going into the season and I was worried about Hayden Hurst but Hayden Hurst showed that he can he can do some things on some even if he doesn't get big volume so I mean maybe he gets opportunity but 16 touches in week 1, 21 in week 2, which looked good, but then down to 15 with that touch share creeping under the 60% touch share, which is that's where I start to get worried when it drops under that 60% backfield share mark, so uh, when he was given the opportunity, didn't do anything with it, not a huge uh, contribution in the passing game, and it's it's it runs a little contrary to what I said about Joe Mixon because you're gonna chase the volume, but one I don't know if the volume's going to stay, and two, Gurley's just unique because we've seen him look really washed, even with his with decent volume. Like his even last year, his production was so buoyed by his touchdowns. Yeah. He had one of the highest touchdown rates in the league for running backs. Uh, he like he scored at an absurd rate. I don't think it's going to happen this year. The Falcons throw too much. I'm I'm off girly completely. I, I don't know how you sell him. You have to I guess find somebody that uh, is high on him, or maybe hope he has a big week uh, in in a uh, in a shootout against the Packers this week, and and then try to sell him at top value.
0: T. Y. Hilton. My wife will throw these intuitions in every once in a while, and I'm sitting there on Sunday filling out my lineups, and she asks me the same question every week: Is T. Y. in a dome? <laughs> and that's all she knows she goes you got to play ty to dome so last week a little frustrating but ty hilton now some injuries to the colts wide receivers certainly they're run heavy i get it but that's not always going to be the case that they have positive game script here he dropped a couple against jacksonville in the opening week could have had a bigger week there where are you on ty hilton now moving forward
1: ah uh, there i mean he's, he's not commanding the huge target share uh which even like that's what a, a lot of his value came came from uh his volume I I know in the past he's been able to live off the deep ball a little bit but he doesn't have a huge share of team yards right now like you mentioned uh Indianapolis Uh, right around 55 percent passing rate neutral game script that's really low i thought we'd see we might see it spike a little bit with philip rivers just because one thing philip rivers does is he's going to check down a lot so i thought maybe that would increase their passing uh rate but that doesn't help ty hilton so uh i i think kind of what we've seen from the indie offense is what we're going to get for the rest of the season so i'm i'm off ty
0: and Philip Lindsay, Philip is an enigma to me, TJ, because he comes in and he has a 93rd percentile college target share at Colorado. Then he comes in, he ends up being really the lead back and the goal line back. And they switched last year with Freeman. Now they bring in Melvin Gordon. A lot of the zero RB people, which we are here at Rotoviz sort of saw Lindsay as a potential upside guy. Now he's dealing with injuries. I understand that. But Melvin Gordon is not a guy who's been staying healthy his entire career throughout the season. So Philip Lindsay here, no one wants him right now. He's being dropped in some leagues. Is there upside here in, in a Broncos team that may have some negative game scripts moving forward?
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be tough for the negative game script even to benefit Lindsay just because Melvin Gordon can catch a little bit too. And and when he does come back, uh, I think it'll be – close to a a fairly even split. Um, Like you said, I mean, Broncos, I think they're just going to be a bad team for the rest of the season, but uh, they got some solid pass catchers. Noah Fant and Jerry Judy, I think their their value probably starts spiking, but uh, Lindsey... Um, hate to be negative across the board today, but man, not on Lindsay either.
0: A lot of times we get the positivity. So we're keeping it real yeah. here on the road of his mailbag, right? We, we want the honest answer. I think I got one coming up here you're gonna be positive about. It. I think so. Is James Robinson a thing? A undrafted free agent out of Illinois State. We were all talking about Raquel Armstead. If Fournette were to leave, he leaves. Raquel Armstead hits COVID. James Robinson taking hold of this backfield rushing. He had a ton of receptions last week as well. Now they're playing Cincinnati. I keep staring at him TJ on my bench. I have Zeke Elliott and Miles Sanders in one of my leagues and I'm watching James Robinson every week. Is, is this a legitimate thing? And can he hold this job? And I mean, gosh, even if he drops off, we're talking high-end RB2.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I mean, a lot of people get look at snaps. A lot of people look at, at backfield split and then they wonder like, why isn't my, my guy doing good? Well, it has to, it, you also have to work that into the context of the team so they can have a a big backfield share, but if you're on a team like the Falcons, that backfield share, the pie isn't going to be as big as it is somewhere else, so I also want to look at something like the team touches James Robinson, 36.6% of team touches, tied with Aaron Jones and Joe Mixon for the 8th highest in the league bigger percent of team touches than Nick Chubb, than Austin Eckler, than Kenyon Drake, than Jonathan Taylor, uh, then the aforementioned Todd Gurley, so not only is he getting a lot of the backfield work, but he's a big part of the team's plan, a huge part of the team's plan. Uh, I I don't see that changing at all. And he you you talked about the pass catching. He might make, uh, everybody in the industry's favorite running back, Chris Thompson, kind of irrelevant.
0: Yeah, we were all, I was on Chris Thompson. We all were on Chris Thompson, the connection with Jay Gruden, right? All of that. But Robinson has taken the limelight and I, I keep waiting for him to back off, but I don't think it's going to happen. And I was running with the, the optimizer on fantasy labs this week. I mean, he's popping all over the place. So I, yeah, I'm with you. I, I think his versatility is here to stay, right? Absolutely. Where were you on the defenses don't matter debate? Uh, Certainly did not matter for Patrick Mahomes in my underbet against the Ravens on Monday (laughs) night. You know, Josh Hermsmeyer started this a while ago, and it, of course it became a huge argument here. How do you factor that into DFS with, with the defenses? I mean, is, is it overrated? Is it something we should consider, but it's maybe overvalued? Because it seems like people are producing no matter what the matchup.
1: Um, I think it's one of the few edges in NFL uh, that is left in, in terms of, at least in DFS. Uh, defenses matter. I just think where peop, how people apply it uh, is very wrong. If we're looking at... Things like season-to-season correlation, and you're looking at uh, at every team in that correlation. You're not going to see a very strong relationship with any year-to-year number. But if you pay attention to the tails, the teams that are really good or really bad in one spot except for tight end, which is, can be a podcast on his own, uh, yep. based pretty much stay at those tails. The teams that are the top five teams against the past usually stay really good. The bottom five teams against the past, same thing against the run, uh, run is a little bit more easier to explain because of game script. Um, and then I think another thing people get wrong is they don't do a good job of adjusting for schedule. If you play Patrick Mahomes, your stats are going to be worse than a team that doesn't have to play Patrick Mahomes. So we have to be able to adjust for those things. So a metric like uh, four for four schedule adjusted points allowed is going to do a lot better job than looking at something like raw fantasy points allowed. And the whole like early in the se- we haven't had a, a preseason. I don't, I don't know why people thought we were just gonna have sloppy football it's, it's kind of like a very zoomed out view of like, oh, what if we have a rainy game? Well, defenses are always slower to react than offenses, right? So if they don't have the time to catch up, they don't have time to practice against offenses. Offenses know what they're doing. They're not reacting. They're the ones that are acting. Um, You know, in in weather games, the defenses struggle because they're the one that have to react to what the receivers doing. They're the ones that are slipping out on the break. So I'm not surprised what we've seen early in the season. Um, I think we will see some of these stronger defenses start to shut down uh, some offenses as we get later into the season. But the rules in the game is set up for offense. So like in a coin flip situation, great offense, first great defense. I'm going to take great offense every time.
0: You know, that's a really great point. I I was doing some breakdowns for games. Something I noticed is that Tampa Bay this week has allowed a lot of raw fantasy points receiving wise Mm -hmm. to running backs. Okay. They've played the saints and the Panthers. Okay. So, I mean, you know, like you said, you got to keep it in context here. That doesn't necessarily mean that leading into my next question, that that's going to be a slam for a player like Austin Eckler. But I do want you to settle the big debates for us here, TJ. And the first one I want to do is I'm going to give you two players. Which one do you like better? Austin Eckler, Joshua Kelly. I kind of feel now that Herbert's the quarterback. This one may tilt in the other direction, but for a while it was Joshua Kelly here.
1: I mean, how, how much does Austin Eckler have to prove to us as an insanely good running back, insanely efficient running back? Even two weeks ago when Josh Kelly out-touched Austin Eckler, I think he had three more touches than him. Austin Eckler was still more efficient, more yardage per touch, and he's been insanely efficient his entire career. Uh, I'm, I've been on Austin Eckler since day one. Um, I'm still on Austin Eckler, and I'm going to be on him for the rest of the season.
0: So it's shiny new toy syndrome. Joshua sure.
1: Kelly was no, looking Josh, good, but yeah. he's awesome. He's great. I think yeah. it's like we, there are backfields where there's two viable running backs. I think this is one of them, but Austin Eckler's going to be the guy that's going to win your weeks for you. Joshua Kelly's going to be more of a uh, filling guy.
0: You know, Will Fuller's another one guy who's popping this week with, with the Houston battle down there against Minnesota, but he comes up on the, the, injury report today, again, questionable with the hamstring, which I feel is eternity for him. So the next question is Brandon Cooks with the huge pedigree or Randall Cobb, somebody I'm a truther for, had a touchdown last week. Moving forward here in that offense where Deshaun Watson certainly is going to put up points. He's going to get going here eventually. Which one do you like moving forward?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm going to go with uh, something my my boy Chris Raybon said in the preseason to me, and it's, it's, it's don't, get tricked by known assets uh, and, and Randall Cobb is one of those guys that he's he's gonna try to trick you he's a known asset we've seen what he is at this point um, and you can say the same thing to Brandon Cooks but Brandon Cooks is I mean he's still a guy that he's leading the team in targets he has a high average depth of target over 12 yards close to will Fur- Fuller's 12 and a half Randall Cobb isn't going to give you that Randall Cobbs still trailing both of them um, in total targets despite will fuller seeing no targets in week two so I mean it's it's Cook for me by a pretty wide margin
0: go to Kansas City here Sammy Watkins McCole Hartman we were a little surprised that Hartman did not have a big impact right away but boy did he look good against the Ravens on those deep shots Sammy Watkins of course week one superstar but he is settled in there came back from the concussion you going for the big play of Hartman or the you know expected volume there with Watkins
1: no, give me, uh, give me the Miko all day. I mean, yep. he, he did see four targets to Watkins seven, but uh, his targets are going to be a lot more high value targets than the ones Sammy Watkins are getting. And uh Meikle is going to be a player that this offense is good enough. Kind of again, cr- contrary to what I said with the with the Bengals, um, this is the efficient offense where the third pass catcher can do some things for you, and you could you could start him in some weeks.
0: Another duo that you're probably going to talk about this week. We got to go down to Miami because they're hosting Seattle. Russ has been cooking. I put out the chef there every single week. I mean, he's just hitting it left (laughs) and right. And Seattle secondary is giving it up to wide receivers. Now, they played Dallas. I understand that. They also played Atlanta. So again, you got to keep this in context, but no Jamal Adams with the groin. So I'm curious this weekend moving forward, Devontae Parker who last year was dominant, but when Preston Williams went out, Preston Williams was actually better than him prior to him going out, but looks like he's been slowed a little bit recovering from the ACL. So Parker or Williams here moving forward?
1: Yeah, slowed uh, with the ACL, but then Devontae Parker dealing with this lingering hammy. But even with that, I mean, any wide receiver, like if if you see two targets in a game like Preston Williams did last week, that, that gives me a lot of pause. Uh, so it, it could be a little bit of fool's gold this week where Preston Williams could have a good game uh, against Seattle. But long term, I think Parker's still the answer here.
0: Got a question here from Winston and New Rochelle. I'm trying to stash a current backup running back that can sort of have that league winning upside second half of the year in case of injuries. So Zach Moss, Cam Akers, DeAndre Swift. Who do you like the best out of those three?
1: Uh, I mean, if we if we think through this this problem, I think we can get to an answer pretty clearly. Uh, Zach Moss is fine, but Devin Singletary is not going to go away. Cam Akers is fine. Uh, I don't think Darrell Henderson's going away. DeAndre Swift, he's a player that going into the season, I liken him to Miles Sanders in his rookie year, where he's going to be a slow start. And then when things start breaking right, or he gets acclimated a little bit he kind of jumps what looks like a crowded backfield one of the reasons being that when given the opportunity matthew stafford has liked throwing to his pass catchers and that's an area that deandre swift can excel in uh even though adrian peterson's been getting a big chunk of the backfield touches he's still under 50 percent uh backfield snaps I think this offense starts to get rolling now that Kenny Galladay is healthy starting this week. I'm not saying they win, but I think they start looking a lot more like the offense we saw last year. And I think DeAndre Swift's going to be a really big part of that. So out of these three, DeAndre Swift, even though you might not see results in the next one or two weeks, this is, this is still feeling like a Miles Sanders season where the last 10 weeks of the season, uh, he's putting up starter numbers for you.
0: Especially a guy who was thought of to be obviously a very strong receiving back, dropped the game-winning touchdown in week one, and it's like everyone's forgotten about him here. And listen, I know Adrian Peterson maybe has a revenge game coming against the Saints on on (laughs) Sunday. But yeah, this offense looked good against Arizona on the road, and the Saints struggled there against a Devontae Adams-less Packers offense. So this could be a nice shootout here. They could get going, and maybe Swift really gets going this week. It's a great call. Next up, thank-a-teacher time. It's been our most popular question. Give a shout-out here. Everything going on with COVID, TJ. Teachers are trying to do hybrid, learn on the fly, getting criticism, of course, thankless job. So I thought i would take a moment, give a shout-out to a teacher in your K-12 years that had a big influence on you, someone made a difference in your life.
1: Yeah, shout out to uh, Miss Jackson back in the sixth grade, one of the most popular teachers in my elementary school back at uh, Stewart. She was always like one of the teachers that, she was one of those first teachers like when you're in those elementary middle school year started talking to you like a human instead of a kid you know so so yeah. really uh, uh built you up and, and made you feel like you're starting to grow into a young adult and then i'll i'll, I'll do two here uh senora Gardines, my uh spanish teacher in, oh, nice. in high school for actually for three years and she was, was very unique because uh, her son went to our school and we were in the same grade so uh humanized the teacher role for me a lot in that uh she was my, my friend's mom. So we were hanging out at the house a lot. And then you had to go back to school and uh, still be the, the student teacher role. So she was awesome. Uh, one of the teachers of the, year, teachers of the year in our district a couple times, I believe. So uh, we'll give two. Teachers, teachers are the best. Excellent. World language teacher. That's a unique one. An excellent one as well.
0: Really hard. Really hard to teach world language. Go back yep. and forth between both in class. All right, man, your wheelhouse. Time for the sneaky, cheap DFS plays for each position. Everyone is listening. They have their ear. It's like EF Hutton is talking right now. What? Give us somebody, TJ, like a long shot here. You see that that in the range of outcomes could possibly pop, pop at the position. Let's start at QB. Uh,
1: I mean, I think when you hear – podcasts this week and you read articles, it's not going to feel like a long long shot because a lot of people are going to say Ryan Fitzpatrick, like I'm going to here, but we have a super unique week where we have four teams projected for 30 points or more on the main slate, two more projected for 29 or more, and then another one projected for over 28. So there's only so much ownership that can go around. So I think we're going to end up with five or six of the top tier quarterbacks exceeding double digit ownership. So the way the math works out, Ryan Fitzpatrick isn't going to be able to be a chalk quarterback. So even though you're going to hear his name a lot, I think the math works out where he only ends up in 6 or 7% of lineups. So a 5,400, I like Ryan Fitzpatrick against that leaky Seattle secondary that you mentioned.
0: You know, I'm thinking about that. It's just that like 5% chance that he self-destructs, you know what I mean? (laughs) But (laughs) that's that's what what makes it. Yes, I like it's either going to be five touchdowns or it's going to be 2 you know, you just don't know what Listen, you're going here,
1: Listen, the, here's the thing about that, that thought process, and that's why people will be hesitant to play them. Look at any screenshot of anybody playing 150 lineups, and they won $100,000, and that dot at the very end is the one that won $100,000. But look at how many of their lineups are outside the green. So that is like a perfect visualization of how we should be approaching tournaments and our players. So like, yeah, a. 70% of the time they're not going to do what you need them to do but they're set up the payout structure the way we approach them the way we build lineups like that's what we should expect that we should be building that risk into our lineups and our game selection.
0: Spectacular point. Let's go running backs, who do you
1: got? Um again, a guy that I don't think it'll f- it it'll sound sneaky but uh, Darrell Henderson at 5,800. You would think think coming off of a, you would think coming off of a 21 touch game, it would be a chalky play, but Mike Davis is going to be the chalk player in that price range. If Zach Moss is out, Devin Singletary is going to eat up a ton of salary at that price range. And then we had Sean McVay come out and say, I'm not sure if uh, Darrell Henderson's going to be the starter this week. So that is going to push down his ownership. And then everybody's going to be on the passing game because they look good last week against Buffalo and they're in a what looks like a, a shootout or a high scoring game for them. But they're also favored by 13. So if Aaron Darnold does some work and all of a sudden they get into a crazy positive game script, it's a Daryl Henderson day instead of a Jared Goff and pass catcher's day. It's
0: a great call. That's my RB defense stack. Absolutely agree with you there wide receiver who do you got
1: uh well we did a little foreshadowing on this one but uh, will fuller popped up with the hammy so was yeah. the one that i was on with uh with deshaun watson but with that hammy i, I gotta go brandon cooks at 4500 i love deshaun Ooh. watson in all formats and then uh i think brandon cooks i think we see him uh shoot two arrows into the crowd this week Oh, that's a good one.
0: That is a, boy. That's off the radar too. What a great call! And tight end, always nuts at tight end. Who knows what's going to happen? My wife gave me a, a sneaky premonition. She goes, "I think someone with an E is going to score." Eric with Ebron hits it. Yeah, yeah. She, she said e? it. She said with an E. She last well, week she said, we're riding, yeah. "We're riding
1: the E train again this week."
0: Uh, okay, very. There you go. And, Give it to not me. Just
1: the E train, but we're riding a double E train, just like Aaron Ebr- Eric Ebron. Uh, Top three tight ends in routes run this year, Zach Ertz, Travis Kelsey, Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram's getting no love. Uh, They're going to be in a crazy big uh, uh, passing game script the Giants are against the Rams we just talked about. Everybody's going to be on the Rams passing game. People are going to try to bring it back with Darius Slayton, Evan Ingram, getting the routes, getting the targets, not putting the production up. All those route runs turns into a big game in a game where, where they're playing catch up. Uh, Evan Ingram is my super sneaky tight end at 4,400 on DraftKings. Don't use him oh, in I like 20 out of 100 lineups. Use him in like three. But those three lineups are the ones that could win you a tournament.
0: I hope you're paying attention, folks, here. This is this is gold that you're getting. Time for redraft lightning round. Give me the better PPR play for week four here moving forward. So PPR play coming up in week four. Better in a tough matchup, Antonio Gibson there in Washington against the Ravens, or Miles Gaskin are going against a tough Seattle run defense.
1: Yeah, so people are going to hear PPR and they're going to say, "Duh, Antonio Gibson," but that is not the move. Th- Baltimore is going to smoke Washington after Lamar Jackson had a bad game last week. Uh, they, they got they're going to come out and be like, "Hey guys, remember we're the Ravens." I think we could see a fifty burger from Baltimore and, and them just tearing Washington a new one. Miles Gaskin at least is going to have touchdown upside, even if Miami's throwing it a ton, even if they get behind. I think there's going to be a lot of points on both sides of that. So at least Gaskin could fall in for a couple if you're lucky.
0: Let's go big wide receivers. Kenny Galladay got the touchdown, got the game in after recovering there from the injury. He gets the Saints and Marshawn Lattimore. What about OBJ though, down there in big D here with with Baker, who seems to be decent so far. Who do you like better, Galladay or, or Odell Beckham?
1: sure uh, on the on the obj side i mean he said it himself like don't expect big numbers from me if if cleveland is close in this one i think they're going to do it with their running backs kenny galladay we saw him 73 percent snap share last week turn that 73 percent snap share into 22 percent target share 35 percent air yard share um i mentioned I, I think this is where we start seeing detroit get rolling a little bit super high scoring game actually like galladay is one of my highest owned wide receivers in tournaments this week so uh galladay day by a pretty big margin
0: tight and we already talked about it. I think you answered it Zach Ertz versus San Francisco San Francisco tough but there are no is what I think there was one wide receiver today Greg Ward at practice for Philadelphia or Tyler Higby with the three touchdowns there against Philadelphia now he gets the Giants at home
1: yeah Ertz might see 16 targets this week I don't think I need to <laughs> say anything else
0: <laughs> yeah, pretty much Better wide receiver play, Mike Evans and the Chargers. Of course, no Godwin, so we'll have defensive attention. Or how about a Rob there against Indianapolis? The Indianapolis defense has been strong, but now we have Foles. So is it really that easy?
1: Yeah, I mean, I actually I don't love either of those games to be honest with you, but I think Indy probably handles this one pretty good, and that ends up being a really slow game. So I actually don't love Tampa Bay or or Mike Evans or Tom Brady at all, but I'm going to go against my normal answer here and go with Mike Evans, just because uh I, th- I just think that game in Chicago ends up being so slow and so much so handled by Indy.
0: Yeah, I don't like Mike Evans a lot of the times, TJ, the feast or famine. Remember last week, remember the big week three against the Giants. So he's a little hard to handle. But with no Godwin and the targets, you know, that, that's gonna be a, a tough one there to pass yep. up on. I love the tricky endings, the movie tricky endings. Talked about this last week with Eric Moody. Memento 7, those are right up my alley. So what's your favorite movie there with a surprise ending? Something that, with a twist.
1: Oh, when, when Kaiser Soze walks away with the uh, oh. turns a limp into a walk. Usual suspects by a mile. I could watch that thing all day.
0: Oh, that, you know what? I got these posters in my basement of of little of the movie covers. I got to get that one up there. That was a Great. classic. Kaiser, and then he, he's looking at the bottom of the cup. That's, a, that's, oh, that's such, tremendous. Such
1: a, such a good movie.
0: All right, I want you to be pressy in here. Who's going to be the hot week five waiver wire pickup? So I'm just being lazy. I write the article. I just want you to tell me ahead of time so I can get going. Who is the guy that's going to pop this week that you think people are going to be like, I got to scramble to pick him up?
1: Well, I mean, pretty much as we started this podcast, news broke that uh, Alan Lazard's going to be out indefinitely. So depending on how your waivers work, as you're recording this, or as we're recording this, you might be able to pick him up if he he cleared waivers in your league. But uh, he's going to be... uh, 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 Marquez Valdez Scantling is going to be a hundred percent owned um, after this week, but let's go a little bit sneakier. Let's let's call back to what we talked about earlier. Uh, Brian Hill saw his touch share increase to 39% last week. I staying in this game in a shootout. If Atlanta ends up keeping this close and Brian Hill's looking better, I think we could all of a sudden see a hot hand approach and Brian Hill get close or maybe even exceed that 50% touch share uh, this week. So brian hill could be the guy that everybody is blowing their budget on this week
0: those are such good calls and i remember there was grumbling coming out of atlanta that a lot of the team wanted brian hill to Mm -hmm. get a crack at that job so that's somebody who can absolutely start playing a little bit more and mvs is a great call with green bay i ended up grabbing grabbing him in a ton of best ball leagues for ffpc uh, just on my last round because just in case you know and he's got the big playability
1: Yeah, and with the way Atlanta's season has started, imagine if Brian Hill has a good game and Atlanta could pull one out against Green Bay on national TV. It's going to be really hard for them to justify for a coach that might be fighting for his job to justify giving Todd Gurley the majority of the work. So, especially if Falcons somehow win this one, which I think they have a better chance than people realize just because their offense is so damn good, Uh, Brian Hill could be like, he could be the guy that's winning leagues from week four on.
0: Absolutely. That would not be a surprise at all to me. Last question, man. The time flew by here. I know you want to get to Jets Denver, so I'll get you out of here on this. (laughs) Who is the cut the cord guy? The guy that was drafted early, round one, round two, in a lot of leagues, that hasn't gotten off to a great start, but you're saying, listen, try to get rid of him now because if you wait any longer, you're not going to get any value. So I'm looking for an early round one or round two guy that you feel it's time to sell low, you know, not buy it buy low, sell high, man. but sell, because honestly, maybe somebody will, will buy into a bounce back that you maybe think won't happen.
1: Yeah, that man, that's a tough one just because I mean, a, a lot of it has, has happened um, because of injury, but this, this is going to sound crazy, but I, I think it's just because you can get value for him. Um Man, I'm so hesitant to say this because I don't even want to deal with the Twitter mentions. If you can sell Derrick Henry, get something good. Oh,
0: that is a great one.
1: I think you get some – if you can get a comparable running back workload, I think you sell Derrick Henry. He was so touchdown dependent last year. And one thing where people – like everyone knew he was going to have touchdown regression, but the smartest people in the industry were saying, no, this is the year. He's going to catch five passes a game. It didn't happen. It's not happening. It's not going to happen going forward. And Tennessee is not going there. They're they're good. They're not great. They're not the offense that played the last 10 weeks of the year last year. He's not going to have the touchdown opportunity. Um, this This can be the biggest foot in my mouth moment of the season. But if you can get something for Derrick Henry, sell Derrick Henry.
0: No, I don't think it is. Listen, right now, Lamar Jackson is the quarterback 11, okay? Which means this he's going to get going. I I have no problem with that. But if someone took him in like round two, early round two, their team is probably in trouble. You're not saying that Derrick Henry is not going to produce. What you're saying is maybe it's not going to be the five and a half yard per carry December Derrick Henry that we always see. And if he's not catching passes, that's what he's going to need to justify it. No, I, I think you're onto something here.
1: Yeah, and also if you're if you're someone that was drafting quarterbacks in the second round, uh, you have way more problems than we can solve in a one-hour podcast.
0: <laughs> That's so true, folks. TJ Hernandez, Director of DFS at Four for Four Football, amazing site. co of the DFS MVP f- podcast. I listen to it every week. It's a must-listen. Breaks it down, gives you a review and a preview of the next week fantastic on twitter tj hernandez follow it thank me later tj can't thank you enough man great job as always tremendous insight looking forward to it when you win the millie man just buy me a beer it's all i ask
1: always a pleasure plenty of non-ipas to go around for everybody
0: (laughs) (laughs) thank you for listening to rotoviz radio please rate and review the podcast on itunes under the fantasy football mailbag a rotoviz radio feed Contact us via email, rotavisradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think, so follow us on Twitter at rotovizradio and at Randall rant Make sure you tell a friend and don't forget to sign up for a 10% discount on our podcast homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. It's a no brainer, folks. Thanks for tuning in. The wait is finally over, folks. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win the season. From the game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else.